Welcome, everybody, to the Game of Power podcast. I'm your host, Maxwell Murray, and today we have a special guest. We have Tavell Stoney, creator of Unknown Inc. What's Bro, good? thanks for coming on the show. Uh, nah, yes, definitely, definitely. It's a long time coming, bro. What's up? What's up? How you doing? So tell me a little bit about what you've been up to lately. Like, what, where are you at in the fashion process, what you've been working on? Yeah, just kind of update me on what's going on. Oh, okay. So, um, I just did a show, uh, probably like five or six days ago. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty good. They're like a, a fashion show. I did five looks. Um, it was like three other designers that I've seen. A lot of them were like um, FIT graduates and stuff like that. So it was, a, it was a good insight for me, you know, for especially for me as a person who didn't go to college and, you know, I just do everything, you know, uh, YouTube University. <laughs> but, uh, nah, Facts. yeah, so like... Kind of talk to me about that a little bit. I'm a little curious, you know, a lot of people say in order to be a fashion designer, you have to go to fashion school and, and learn it that way. Talk to me about nah, kind yeah. of learning the industry on your own. So... Yeah, so like it's it's definitely more I guess you can say rewarding because like you taking that uh experimenting and planning, you know, stuff like that. And it's like it's 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 more freedom and stuff like that, right? So like for me recently, I've actually been thinking about going to fashion school. Just not in the sense of um getting like learning stuff I guess you can say, like, but I'll just want that stamp because, um, and, and like this fashion community, like if you want to be like a, let's say if you want to be a creative director for like a certain, a brand, they might like X you out just because you don't have a, a degree in you know, in fashion or, you know, fashion marketing or something like that. They think you're like, you know, not as, um, design capable as other people. So like, I don't want people to be thinking that like I'm fully capable of everything. Like I wanted to start myself. So like I go into college with a different mindset, you know, where it's like, not that you can't tell me shit type of mindset, mindset, but it's like, I'm going to take what you're saying. And then it's like, I'm going to make my own mold rather than me going in there like blind and not knowing nothing. And it's like appearing to this like fashion, you know, system you know this institution because it's like college is an institution but it's like can you take those values and like you know apply it to like your brand and stuff like that so that's that's the part i definitely think that's a yeah i definitely think that's important in terms of like even for me i don't necessarily excel in school when it's like i have to go to class and learn what they're teaching me in class without a sense of purpose but then when you look at it from the other end, even you talking about going to fashion school, when you have that point of view, if it's me trying to build fits, then when I go to class, I'm always applying those mm. informa- that information straight onto everything that I'm working on before, and it helps me understand the information a little bit better. So I definitely think that there's a balance between kind of learning from, you know, the, the system in which college is, but then a balance of kind of being able to step yeah. out into the real world, learn learn those skills on the fly, and then use college as another outlet to outlet, get yeah. you more information to become better at your craft. Also, I'm trying to use it as a as a cheat code. They got a lot of resources there. They got the industrial 
stuff. They got knitting and stuff like I don't got all that money to be buying that equipment. So I'm gonna do all that stuff while I'm in, you know, trying to get my learning and stuff. Cause it's like if you're going to college with a brand and, and you know, you're already like, you know, you're already, you know, for me like two years in, it's like it's like a gold mine. It's like, yo, I can go to class. He's like, I bet I might skip and like you know, that's a bad mindset, but it's like if you like on some like grungy like just trying to take every opportunity that you can it's like would you rather like spend that hour in class or like and you already know i'm just saying in in the mindset of like a person who already like who's coming there and it's like they already have like two years of knowledge you know on something but it's like if you have a concept and it's like i i got all the materials here i'm about to just make this concept right here and i'm about to make this at the highest quality i could possibly make and then I'm going to bring it to class and I'm going to show them, like, look, you can be learning this, but, like, I'm a person who came in from the outside, who learned from the outside and came in. So it's kind of like showing people two different sides of the fashion where it's like, I'm like that, that under, not the underdog, but it's like that street cat, you know, who, who got yeah. that life. And then now it's like, I'm in this home, but I still got that knowledge. I got that street background where it's like, I know what the people want, really want, and not let what, you know, statistics are showing and stuff like that, you know, really talking to people, you know, understanding what the mindset of the people is. Yeah, for sure. So kind of talk to me about the beginning. I want to, I want to learn more about your beginning, how you even, you know, started in the industry. Mm -hmm. Was the kid Tavel interested in fashion? Talk to me about that journey of kind of wanting to start a fashion brand. So, uh, okay. So let's go back, like back, back. <laughs> so, um, I just, all right. So like technically I, I didn't finish my first like, uh, time in college, right. Money issues and stuff like that. So like I was doing a uh, graphic design. So from graphic design, I did, um, I started working on my, my uncle's truck and stuff like that. So, um, and working on my uncle is like a, is like going to college in itself. Cause like, he's very business orientated. So like that time where like, I'm, I'm definitely older. Cause I worked with him since I was like 16. So like me working him versus when I'm 16 and versus when my twenties, I'm fresh out of college trying to think about what I'm trying to do with my life is vastly different. Cause like, he's talking to me like a man, you know, you know, it's like what you want to do in life, you know? Yeah, you can be on this truck working, but it's like I you you are a better person. You can do more than just working on this truck. That's what he will always preach to me. So he was like, Yeah, you did the the the, the graphic design, but it's like, all right, what you gonna do more? Like what 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 are you gonna put it on? That I, he was like, Oh, you got this truck, you can like design this truck, you can put logos and stuff like that, make it the flyest truck and like every time I come by making deliveries, you can do that. So I was like, All right, maybe I can try it out, you know, whatever. But like I felt that at that time it was like too advanced. I like I was being pushed into a corner. Where it was like damn, I I got this open access and it's like I don't know what to do, right? So I had to like understand who I was as a like a designer. It was like you know, do I want to do graphic design solely or like? And then I started experimenting with like pottery and stuff like that and. Uh, painting and stuff like that I was trying to lean more into my uh, artists you know 
mindset because I've always been an artist. I've always been drawing. I've always been trying to make up concept. I've always been trying to make up business, you know, propositions, you know, stuff like that. I've always been trying to do something against the grain, right? So then uh, COVID happened. Um, so I was sitting down for a little bit and, you know, I was thinking about, all right, if everything can just be shut down just like that, <laughs> what what the hell can I do to, like, make sure that I'm good? Like, because it's like <laughs> that just proved to me that this so-called corporate system that people have been preaching about for, like, the last, what, 70, 80 years where, oh, get this government job, you've been good, you're going to be good. You had just literally been been cut out under your legs and you have nothing to do. People's pension is out the window. Whole company is gone. They, they like it's done. Your whole livelihood has been is gone in the flash. So it's like, damn. If I can if I can literally look at that and, and see the kinks in the system, I gotta make my own system at that point, right? So, you know, then you know I bought a, a um a sewing machine, and I was like I was like messing with the sewing machine. Then I gave up. I was like, I, I ain't gonna do this. Whatever. Then I I started doing, I went back to trucking in the height of COVID, like wearing the mask. I was delivering uh, PPP stuff to schools and um, hand sanitizer. I was doing like a lot of like the brunt work during like that time, like giving supplies to like a lot of schools and uh, offices and stuff like that. And um, like those uh, thermometers and stuff like that. And like, you know, in a lot of places. Mm -hmm. So like, and then I seen, I was like, look, I'm doing all this good for people, but it's like, what can I do for myself at that time? So, like, COVID got really, really bad, and that got shut down. So I was like, I bet. I'm like, uh, I got to do something. I got to do something. So at that time, I saved up about maybe, like, $2,000, you know. And then I just bought equipment. I bought uh, another sewing machine. I bought two embroidery machines. And then I bought a serger. So then I sat back and I was like, all right, what I'm going to do? And I was like, I don't know. I was like, all right, I bought all this equipment. I bet. So I just, I just start studying. So I was still working. I was, I was doing embroidery and, and, and sewing at the same time. And then it hit me. I was like, I really love the feeling of making these clothes. But when I go <laughs> to work, and like I'll, I'll have to get up at like 4 o'clock in the morning and work to like, whenever the route is done. So that would be like anywhere from four in the morning to like six in the afternoon, seven in the afternoon. Then I got to clean up the truck, bring it back to the, the thing, then bring it back all the way back to Queens. And it was like a whole process. So I wasn't getting in the house until like eight, nine o'clock almost every day. And then I was still trying to work on clothes and uh, on my spare time. And it felt literally impossible. Like, so I was like, all right. So, my uncle got a new contract and he was like, yo, like you trying to work. And when he hit me up, I was literally in the studio working on clothes and I had to stop. And I was like, this is the moment where like people talk about where it's like, it's like the major choice. It's like, do I go and work for my uncle at the, at the trucking and do however long that's going to be year, two years and not work on my brand. Or I just say, make my uncle mad for the next year because I didn't work for him and then work for myself and actually make something for myself that my me and my family is actually proud of, right? So 
I just took it. I said, fuck it. I'm just going to make it. I'm going I'm to start it. Like, my uncle was mad. He was he was tight. He didn't talk to me for a little bit, you know, stuff like that. I left him out here in, in the sun, like, you know. and But I had to do it for me at the same time, you know. But, you know. Wow. So, so, like, let me, I had to make. Let, let, let's. let's not going not gonna you want to keep going? I was yeah. So let's. There's there's a lot in that that I wanted to talk about. The first point is the beginning when you said that I started sewing and you know it it, it I I felt defeated because mm-hmm. I didn't feel like I could do it at the time and I went back to trucking. Kind of one thing that's very interesting is how when you whenever anyone in any type of aspect of things picks mm-hmm. up a new skill and starts working on that. At first, it seems like such an impossible task. And then the more you work at it, the better you get at it, the more comfortable you get in doing it. Kind of take me into that room. Take Mm. me into that process. And for all of the other kids that are wanting to sew, but they feel like that's the thing that maybe they can't do. Talk to me about the process of starting sewing and your journey with kind of getting better at that craft over the last few years. So... First, you got to understand the different brands. You got Brother, you got Singer, you got the, what's that, uh, Juke, the industrial ones. You have different levels of sewing machines, right? So I started out, and I still do. I'm a a Brother fan. I got everything I use as Brother. It's very user-friendly. Everything that you can possibly think is literally written on the machine. Right. If you want a zigzag stitch, it says turn to this and you got it. Right. And then there's I have another sewing machine where it's like it's literally automated. It's digital. Right. Where you turn into a zigzag stitch and it's like you can adjust the stitches, you know, individually, like, you know, how whatever. And that's more. It, you know, later, but when I was first starting, I just had to figure out. What is fabric? And what does it entail to sew two pieces of fabric together to make something? Right? So you're not going to use the same settings for denim that you're going to use for leather. It's not going to be the same that you're going to use for silk rather than uh, linen. Right? So I had to understand that. And Studying is very fundamental. <laughs> like if you don't know something, it's okay. Like like look it up. It, it really only takes two seconds. What is the tension and whatever for leather? What is the tension for denim? What is the tension for scent silk? It pops up on Google. It pops up. What is the you know whatever you know? What is the average you know? It and it it is it's very tedious. But it's like if you really really want to do it and you and your head is actually there. Is nothing that's going to stop you from trying to obtain that information, right? So 100%. my biggest deal was not finding it hard. It was just finding the time, right? That's where, like, the trucking came in was, like, my, 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 my I guess you could say my blockade, where I just had to figure out, all right, do I just, you know, just take it, or do I just tear it down and, or go around it, something like that, you know? You understand what I'm saying? Like, so... Hundred percent, hundred percent. That's that's super interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, and then forcing yourself to like be in that studio with that sewing machine, and then like 
being okay with just buying fabric and like messing it up because it's, it's like people get the 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 yeah it's expensive but it's like this is a, a very expensive career like people say hobbies i never say this is a hobby that's very undermining it what, what fashion is that is very much a career like that's not a hobby <laughs> so like in 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 buying these fabrics and testing them out is very like trying to find everything so like i wanted so so when you're saying like breaking game i've been i wrote down some stuff right i wrote down like one one concept that i've been um pretty much like living by for like the beginning of like making my my, my clothes so like you know how in math you got pemdas right right mm-hmm. very easy everybody know pemdas but nobody applies pemdas to, to art right so my version of PEMDAS is plan, experiment, map, definite, audience, and then the S is success, right? So okay. when you starting out, so when I was thinking about it, everybody's going to start out with one part of, of, of this PEMDAS thing, but nobody's going to start out with the success, which is the end. So that's the compass part of Plan, experiment, map, definite in your audience, right? Now, you can start off with a plan, but you still need the part of experimentation to understand that your plan is sound. Because experimenting is always going to poke holes in, in your plan. Now, if your plan is not sound until, you know, your uh, experimenting stage, then you have to go back to the plan, right? Then you go to map. Now, your map is like where do you want your product to go if you want to go online storefront like me sell stuff at the park right now when you get to your definite right your definite is can i make a product and can i make this product the same a hundred times that means no mm. no matter the 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 it's hot cold raining i feel sick i got diarrhea i can make this product no problem now it changes if you're using manufacturers you got to say is this manufacturer capable and competent to make this product every time i put this order without no fail right don't now if your definite is not perfect you have to go back to planning Mm. back to the beginning because Explain there's a problem a in your because there's a problem in your planning. One, you didn't plan out your 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 distributor or your tech pack is messed up. Right back to planning, or if you're making yeah. it yourself, you didn't you didn't cut the fabric properly, or you didn't uh you know you didn't do something properly. So then it goes back to experimentation. Now since you planned it out, put it in 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 real because everything is you know nine times out of ten written out on your computer or you know on paper or whatever that's just the one aspect now you got to make that into fruition then go back to your thing make it a definite boom now when it's a definite you good now who is your audience now that now that audience goes back to map where are you putting in it if it's in the store who is the audience that's going to that store who is the audience that's coming to your website who is the audience for me who's coming to the park, right? Then once you understand that, you'll have success. 
Wow. Wow. But I, I want to say that that was, I love that. So plan, experiment, mm-hmm. map. Definite. Definite audience success. And so, bro, I, I feel like that's a great way of, of, of thinking about this. And I want to just kind of get deep into that a little bit. Talk to me about the whole mapping and audience aspect of things. Because okay. a lot of designers that are that are emerging will be like, oh, I make cool art for everyone. Mm-hmm. And in reality, that's that's not, not tangible. That's not realistic. That's not, yeah. mm-hmm. So talk to me about what it how how you've kind of figured out who your audience is and what you do in mind to try to appease or solve problems for that audience. So that is a brand long experience. <laughs> You're never going to 100% find out who your audience is because your audience can change in 10 years. Right? For example, Chrome Hearts originally was worn by biker people, stainless steel, all that stuff. Now, who is wearing it now? 20 years later, rappers trap people, all of that. Your, your audience is going to change. So now you have to adjust to your new audience. So your new map, you know, to your new audience now. So now you have to put mm-hmm. your, st- now instead of being underground when you was, you know, whatever with the biker stuff, you know, you wanted to be low key, whatever. Now that it's bigger, now you want your stores in Vegas. You want your stores in, in Italy and stuff like that. You want your stores in, Istanbul and stuff like that. You want your stuff in very, uh, uh, what what they call it, very like um, high intense places where a lot of people go because it's like mm-hmm. you never know who's gonna be going through that 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 type of traffic and you might attract them. Who's like who's part of that new audience, right? I completely see where you're coming from. Yeah. And I think that one thing that is key for a lot of people that are just starting out to understand is you can look at a brand like Chrome Hearts now mm-hmm. and say, oh, well, their audience is so wide. But I feel like the only way that they got to that point was by, like mm-hmm. you said, focusing on bikers, right? And so, like, yeah. yes, throughout your brand, your audience will grow Carhartt starts for the for the average workman right but when you kind of yeah the average worker and it's like when you when you go after that audience i feel like and you you know you perfect that then more and more people will will form i feel like it's not oh everyone and then a little subsection i feel like it starts small and then it gets big as time goes on and and i feel like to be honest like you can make Okay, when when people be like, is there a subculture in fashion anymore, right? Like, that's a big, uh, like, conversation in fashion I've been hearing. Like, they feel like the subculture in fashion is, you know, is gone, right? Like, the preppy kid fit, the, the, the emo, you know, the, 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 you know, the, what they call that? The, it's like the Cali rich kid, you know, fits <laughs> and stuff like that. Like those are like subcultures, like the 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 rave culture and stuff like that. You know, those are like subcultures where like if you were in them, you knew where you can get those clothes from because those designers were in those subcultures, right? So it's mm-hmm. like 
are there subcultures anymore because of the internet? I would say yes and no because everything is so blended now, right? Yeah. You can, you can find a preppy kid going to a rave and he's wearing rave stuff, but he's never, you know, lived the rave lifestyle. He's not really attached to it. But it's like, is he a part of that subculture now because he he wears that clothes? It's it's a question mark now. Right? Yeah. So I it's completely like, see where you're coming from. Yeah. So it's like So talk to me about this. Talk to me about this. Mm-hmm. Um I feel like you have a very interesting subculture within mm-hmm. your brand, your aesthetic and your style. Yeah. Has it always been that way or how did you kind of navigate and kind of talk to me about mm-hmm. your style of clothing that that we see now? So me I feel like Okay, when Okay, how can I explain it? Hmm. If if I want to say if I'm am I pleasing to a subculture, I would say I'm appeasing to people who like storytelling when it comes to like their clothes. Like something that not necessarily has a message but has like I'm a big fan of lore, right? Like mm-hmm. in any like game or like set of media, I like the backstory that's not told or is like if it's told is told in, in like this magazine that's from you know whatever that's written in whatever and they just so happen to talk about it whatever or like you know like I, i'm a big fan of like warhammer and like how is like it's written in like this third person perspective where it's like the like it's all like hearsay like right so like mm-hmm. every anything is like at liable to not be real, right? And I, I like the concept of that, right? And it's like if I can like make that in clothes, I feel like that's kind of cool. Whereas like if it's cool, like if you found out about unknown ink rather from like the internet, but like from like a third party, where it's like oh you were told like oh yo I know about un- I know about this dude in the park and he saw like fucking the premiest fucking jackets and, and, and pants and stuff like that and they like $200, $200, you gotta get on that shit. Like, I, I will value that more than like somebody like going on Instagram live, you know, whatever, and being like, oh, I seen this thing, you know, whatever. You know, it's very more intimate, right? Because it's your friend, they let you know, they probably already bought a piece, stuff like that, and like, it's more like and then when they, and it's like, how can I explain it? It's like, when they buy it from me, I always talk to them. I always try to give them some lore about the brand that kind of like pulls them in. Where it's like, it's much more than just like, you know, jackets, pants, t-shirts type vibe. It's like, it's way more than that. I'm telling 100%. a story with this, right? And it's like, even if you don't buy into the actual product of the actual clothes, you're invested in the story that you want to see unfold throughout each and every season. It's kind of like the episodes in like a like a big TV show. <laughs> That's how I try to. So it. one thing that's interesting about what you said, as well, is I feel like um, one thing that I just posted today mm-hmm. was like 
part of the reason why a lot of people are frustrated because they're only selling to their friends and they can't get their products out to other people is because they don't have that signature product that mm-hmm. they make better than everybody else. And so they're competing with a wider group of people that have a wider group of products. And mm-hmm. one thing that you said in that was, it's like unknown ink. He got the fire jackets and pants. Yeah. And it's like, one thing about you is like, you got the fire jackets and pants. So <laughs> yeah. For me as a buyer, right? On yeah. the buyer side of things, I think, oh, I need a jacket. It's yeah. getting cold. It's getting cold. And then I think, and then I think, who sells fire jackets? Oh, unknown ink. And I like his story and I like and and X, Y, and Z. So I feel like one thing that I always say to fashion designers is you gotta have a signature product or else mm-hmm. there's nothing that's gonna have my brain go, Oh, I need workout gear, I'm gonna buy Nike. You know what I mean? So how do you feel about that concept of kind of, <laughs> yeah, you want to make everything, but you have, have, have excelled in jackets and pants and then yeah. you can make things that complement your jackets and pants yeah. and add to that. But it's like, what am I going to you for? I'm going to you for that fire jacket that you just sold. Like, yeah. that's, I feel like that's the, that's the bread and butter. That's the thing that you, that, that'll, that'll bring in all the traffic to see the rest of your story, the rest of your brand. Yeah. You know, you know what's funny? When you you saying that, and I thought the complete opposite. Like, cause like, I'm okay. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're definitely right. You're definitely right on like very much parts, right? Like making like a very good product. Like, yeah, like making a very good product. But like, going back to like that model, what I'm saying is like. Uh, PEMDAS, like that whole whole thing, mm-hmm. that is literally the cheat code of making a, a, a good product for your brand. Now, I can look at mad different brands, right? And it's like, what is their signature, you know, their thing? And it's like, I personally might not think that that might be their signature thing, but it is. But it's like, they put so much time into it they did the PIM dash that I can't eat. I and myself have to say, damn, that is their signature item. Like this is something that yeah. that they put a lot of work into it, despite what it is, right? Because it can get bigger afterwards. Yeah, but it's like when it really comes down to it. North Face sells jackets. Yeah, like Gymshark sells gym gym wear. Mm-hmm. You know, Nike sells the best footwear. Yeah, right. And it's like from there. I, I, I'm, that's your bread and butter, yeah. Calvin Klein underwear, Levi's jeans. You can sell other things after exactly. that. You after know what that, I mean? Yeah. You can compliment that, but it's like, Canada Goose, I'm coming to you for your jacket. Come, and then yeah. maybe I'll buy your hat. And then maybe I'll buy your gloves. Yeah. Right? And it's but like, I yeah. feel like that's how, it, that's the purchase journey at least. Yeah. Or that's the discovery aspect of things a little bit. But I, what, what I, I try to see, I always try to do things backwards, right? That's one thing about Unknown Ink and one thing about me as a designer. I try to do things backwards. Like, when people, when I sell clothes in, in Washington Square, before I even say, hey, I got this, I say, hello, how you doing? This is Unknown Ink. I make da 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 right? And it's like, and I tell you something about myself and why, am I, why I'm out here selling my clothes. Before I even show you or 
let you get the attention of my clothes first. I'm telling you me as a person and me as a brand and me as a designer before you even look at the clothes. Because it's like, yeah. I've always felt when in the park, it's more homey to talk to the people as as like their family or as if they you already know them. If you don't know from like a fucking brick in a wall. Talk to them as if you know them for like at least 20 years. Hey, how you doing? What's up? How your mama and them? Like, was like how, how you really doing? What's good? I'll talk to so many people who have not even looked at my clothes and I know mad shit about them. And it's like, <laughs> damn, we really had a good conversation. Nah, yeah. I, I, I feel in myself that this $200 I'm about to spend is justified. I feel you. Can I can I put a pin in this real quick to because yeah. that's a great transition into you know for for the audience that doesn't know mm-hmm. I met you in the park. Nah, yeah. That was, I had to be probably a year and a half ago yep. at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I met you in the park and we immediately just started chopping it up. Man, I love your and then you took me obviously through through your clothes and I was like, man, this is you know, one, a very unique brand and an interesting story. And then two, cool dude and three great products. And Not so either. I, I think that um, one thing that separates um, certain people from others is that that level of hustle where I'm going to the park and I'm selling my shit. You know Not what I mean? Either. Talk to me about, you know, that transition from, not only did I just make these clothes, but I went from Queens all the way down to Wash and <laughs> set up my booth. And now um, talk to me about that. Like, talk to me about the, nah, the, yeah. the mental side of that um, first and then kind of what, what, what your process is around certain things like that. So I would I would say that's purely from the Unknown Ink team. Like, you've, you've met them. Like, they've been like, yo, go to Wash, go to Wash. Like... We've been there, like we go there. There's designers out there, or I'm like, ah, I'm like, I right, whatever. I'm like, this what it, that's a, that's a lot. That's Manhattan. I'm like, God. I'm like, come on. I'm like, whatever. I'm like, all right. I I was like, I was like, I go out there one time, right? So I, the first time I ever went to Washington Square Park, right? My friend actually has a picture of this, right? I have. Hold on. Uh, you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, my All right. You hear me now? Yeah, your AirPods yeah. just died. All right. Yeah, yeah, I switched over. I'm good now. So, um, now, nah, yeah, so the first time okay. I've been to Washington Square Park, um, there's a, like I said, there's a picture of this, and uh, I'm literally sitting, like, not where the, 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 the people who usually sell their stuff, but, you know, like in a big circle. I'm sitting on the side. I got the little rack. I'm sitting on the side, and I'm fucking pouting, bro. I'm like, nobody paying me attention. I'm just sitting here. Like, this, it was some points where, like, I got up and sat by, like, the benches all the way back by the trees and just left my clothes there. And I was like, if somebody walked past and think it's fire, like, it's, it's, it's good enough for me. Like, I don't even care about selling it. I just want the satisfaction of somebody just walking up and just looking at my shit and being like, okay, now nah, this is cool. Like, this is, like, I, I wanted people to look at my art and feel like it was real life. Like, 
me making the clothes, like, yeah, like, throughout the whole process, the shit felt fake, right? So when I get to the park, it's like, nah, it, this is real. Like, people actually are looking at this and are debating if this is a tangible product, right? And that did something to me. And I was like, okay, let me go back into the, the lab. Let's go back into the bag cave and actually make a product that I'm comfortable with and then see the reaction. And then mm-hmm. my, and that was a whole year later. I've been in the bad capes and that, that I probably was in there in March. The whole year I went back the next March, came back with a whole different product. And I was like, nah, yeah, I'm comfortable. Bro, and that's when wow. at the same okay, time. Okay, so talk to me about <laughs> like a, one thing that I can tell from even a little bit of what you said earlier. Mm-hmm. And uh please correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. I feel like our greatest opportunity lies in places of discomfort, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like for for me at least, whenever I reach points where maybe fear from the inside starts to strike maybe my heart starts to beat a little fast maybe i'm a little nervous i feel like that's exactly where i should be yeah so when you talked about even sitting there in the park pouting could you could you tell me maybe it it was a little uncomfortable for people to look at your art maybe it was a little bit vulnerable maybe there was some fear involved and now you're obviously far past that and gotten there but talk to me about that for for the people that that Mm. are you know in their head and it's a it's oh man i'm a little overwhelmed because i feel that way and everybody else feels that way and i've been uh, that's a big thing of what i talk about kind of take me through that journey on the inside um especially when it comes to art i'm gonna give you something mad personal up until that point i felt like i was a failure that every aspect that I probably have done has been a failed, a failed attempt, right? There was a lady, right? Old lady, very old, right? Now, when I was sitting there at the bench, like she went over there and she was like looking at the pants, looking at it, and she was like, "These are really, really nice pants. It looks like you spent a really like a long time on these pants. These are really nice." She was like, "How much are these?" She was like, I was like 300. She was like, rightfully so. And I was like, nah, the fact that she didn't even buy it, but like, let me know that the product that I thought in my head was, will be a failure was actually a success. So like, I unknowingly found an audience that day in Washington Square Park. So that completed my PEMDAS of success in Washington Square. So that's why I, I love call that. Washington and Square my home. I love that. And and to even further your point, I think one thing I like to talk about and think about is mm-hmm. redefining success, right? Exactly. Because a yeah. lot of times the definition of success is the problem that you're facing, right? So mm-hmm. where it's, okay, if one version of success is a lady or a bunch of people rushing to your product and loving it and buying it and you're making all this money, if you 
take a few steps back and you say, you know what, like you said, success is me putting my hard work into building this product. It done took me a whole year or two years to learn the, the craftsmanship to yep. be able to put this out. And now I have something that's physical in front of me. That's success. Nah, and like, yeah. I completely see where you're coming from in terms of feeling like a failure because I have done so many different projects, especially when it comes to fits, mm-hmm. try to build so many different things that have failed. But it's like, what am I doing each time I'm learning about that yeah. and I'm pushing my ideas forward and I'm putting it out. And you know what? Maybe it wasn't the right play, but I'm just going to take that and go back to the bat cave yeah, and come back, back to the with a cave. better play each and every time. And I feel like <laughs> that's success because a lot of people think that there's overnight success, but a lot of the time it is constant lessons. It's constant learning. It's constant growth. And like at that point, my definition of success is yeah. getting better each and every day so that when that opportunity comes, when that ball comes right in front of my face, I'm ready to knock it out the park. And then everyone thinks that, oh, that was an overnight success. But really, it, it was a compounding you know, of consistency and getting better. You know, you know, when I think about it, when you say about that, like the, the success overnight, I feel like people think about, right, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go like a little bit off topic. I'm going to music a little bit. People think Ice Spice <laughs> is an overnight thing, right? But like, if you really break down what it takes to actually like be in this stuff, I don't believe she just made one song and just got popping. Like, nobody makes, and I feel like if you, if you make music, you don't make one song and then get popping. There's a journey. I feel like Ice Spice has made at least 30 songs. I'm just saying, I'm giving it a bare amount. At least 30 songs previously before this main one came out. And even if you want to take the song just out of context, right? The person who made the video for it, right? That person had to see something in the past of her to actually be okay with making that, that, that video, right? It, and it's not just bread because it's like you giving somebody uh, money to make a, a video the videographer has to have some type of alignment to make that video 100%. nobody is making and just 100%. taking bread and just making just no nobody's doing that so <laughs> I'm with you. They either one had a, an alignment for some shit that she had in the past or he seen something in her that was going to be great for the future so was like, and let me let me let me further that point real quick. So uh at the last show we had we talked about the ten thousand hour rule, right? And so yeah. what I didn't know at the time was that rule came from Malcolm Gladwell in the book mm-hmm. Outliers, right? Mm-hmm. And he's the one that introduced the ten thousand hour rule. And this yeah. is how he prefaced it. He said hockey players in Canada, right? Mm-hmm. When you look at the actual ages of all the hockey players and the dates, all their birthdays are in January. And he hmm. was like, January, February, March. And he said, well, why is that? Well, the cutoff, the age cutoff, you know, when you mm-hmm. play sports, how it's like to get in different age groups, there's always a cutoff. Yeah. Well, that was January 1st. So what was wow. happening was the oldest kids were the biggest kids at the time when they were tiny, they're five, they're on the ice, right? They're a lot older and physically more developed than the kids that were born in October 
or December, right? Mm. And those same kids got put into higher practice divisions and higher leagues at younger ages, which forced them to play more hockey over the course of their life than the kids that were born in December told that they weren't as good, right? Got put Mm. in the worst leagues. They played less hockey. And so his point is, these kids, in thinking that they were an early success, had more confidence and got put into better leagues, which required more work. And over the course of time, all of that time ended up compounding into a point where eventually they put in 10,000 hours where other people mm. had only put in 2,000 hours. And it's because they played more hockey. And so I thought that mm. was fire in terms of, he even said Bill Gates. People look at Bill Gates and said, oh, he dropped out of he dropped out of uh, college at Harvard and started Microsoft. How did he do that? Well, Bill Gates, luckily, and, and part of the 10,000 hours is opportunity and luck hitting you. He was born at the right time where when he touched eighth grade, his school got a computer. No, and that's crazy. Over that course of time, Bill Gates programmed eight hours a day for the next eight years getting mm. him to 10,000 hours. And they talk about how a lot of the time, if you achieve a little bit of early success, you end up putting in more work and that more work compounds and compounds and compounds and it gets you better and better and better to the point where people don't realize that, oh, I really did just do this same thing for the last eight years. Whereas somebody Not that is years. trying to do exactly what I did put in a lot less work and that is the 10,000 hours. Hmm. See, yeah, nah, yeah, nah, yeah, definitely, definitely, <laughs> definitely, 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 and to and to 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 really like now when you were saying that, I really was thinking about that to in in terms of like my ability, and I was like, I didn't think about all of the shit that I did before, <laughs> like I didn't think about the graphic the design, design, like the going to college, like I've been doing graphic design since high school, ninth grade. Like going crazy, boom, 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 and then I'm 25. Like I've been doing, I've been doing digital art and making concepts since I was at least 14 or 15, and that's coming up on <laughs> at least 10 years now. So like, yeah, <laughs> and it's a lot so of times it's that it's it's crazy. It blows your mind to think about, but it it is that. A lot of times it's like, you don't know now, but one day you will know. You won't, yeah. The other day. And it's mm. like, one day you will know. And I feel like your graphic design skills, right? And then you designing that truck. And then you, it's like yeah. the constant opportunities required more work. And because mm. of that, you ended up just as a result of that, your time really did compound to a point yeah. where, you done really put in 5,000 hours already. And it's like, now that you are making clothes every day, right? And -hmm. you like it and now you're achieving more success, you're gonna make more and more and more. And now you're spending eight hour days. And once that compounds over five years, like it completely separates you from the pack. And that's the 10,000 hour rule. And I, that blew, completely blew my mind when, nah, when yeah. I read it. And that's facts. 
You know what's funny? Wow. Like, you said start getting to the eight, the eight hours. I started out making clothes at the eight and 10 to 12 hours a day. So, like, I already was taking that mentality of, like, now, now remember, I just literally lost, like, I, I left a really good job. Like, I was getting paid, like, $125 a day, right? Making a, at least almost 3000 a month, right? So, like, I'm 20. That's not, that's good for a 20-year-old living at parents, like, 3000 I'm making bread. So, like, I don't got to yeah. worry about stuff. Like, I'm buying clothes or whatever. And I'm like, and there was a point where, like, and me buying clothes. And I was like, I deadass can design this. Like, and, and, and for, like, a good two years of me having bread, I was like, there is nothing that I like. <laughs> like, I'm going into different stores. I'm like, all right. Well, I'm like, there ain't really nothing. I'm like, it's like. I gotta spend my three thousand on like one on, on one thing. I'm like, that's stupid. I'm like, I can make my own shit. I was like, nah, I I got all this, you know, not necessarily know how, but I have the 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 ability to buckle down and actually work for the shit that I want. Well, let me let me let me let me further that point, right? <laughs> one thing that I I'm making a new kind of message that i've been mm -hmm. spreading a lot maybe i'll test this on you and let, let, let's see if this works uh, i've been saying to people don't start a business don't mm -hmm. start a brand mm -hmm. start a revolution okay. and what that means is why do revolution start in the first place well revolutions start because there's a problem there's a problem for yeah. you that problem was yo i don't find i can't find any clothes that i like right and so mm -hmm. a revolution starts with the problem and then somebody says you know what i'm putting my foot in the ground there has to be a solution for this problem and i'm gonna create that solution and then they go on that path of rallying and finding the audience that feels that same way about that that problem they write their manifesto their declaration of independence you made that piece of clothing and you said this is part of the solution to that problem and i feel like one of the best things that anyone in business or and any of this thing can do is solve their own problem. If you solve your own problem, yeah. you know that it is a problem. And so that's nah, why yeah, I definitely start a revolution because every business starts with a problem and then you have your mm -hmm. idea or hypothesis as to how you're going to solve that problem and then that's your plan, right? And then yeah. what you said next is you got to experiment, right? Experiment, so yeah. You got to treat this like a scientific method. Nah, right? yeah, definitely. You have problem solution. You have a hypothesis on how you're going to do it. Now you got to test it out, right? Mm -hmm. And that's why I'd be telling people make a prototype. So E, you have to experiment, yep, right? Yep, yep. Next, if you start kind of figuring it out, maybe your experiment works. Now you got to map out that solution to, nah, yep. to, 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 you know what I mean? Get to the next level, then you find the audience, right? And you no, obviously definite, that was part of the, the plan definite, as well. That was part definite. of the audience. But then now the audience is joining your revolution because they're acknowledging, yeah, yeah I have been oppressed mm -hmm. and I have had this problem. And you're yeah. like, yo, I got your solution, right? No, yeah. That's the A. And then that's when you get to success. When and so a lot of people say business is about 
you know, maximizing profit for shareholders or starting a brand is about getting people to fuck with you. And I just believe that if you start a revolution and you're really solving a problem for a specific Mm -hmm. group of oppressed people, then eventually you will go down that that PEMDAS and you would get to a level of success if that's what you focus on. Mm. Nah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Nah, yeah. Can I add to that too? Go ahead. I bet. I'm going to give you one thing that I also learned too. If you, uh, There's two ways you can do it. When there is a problem, like you can make something and one of not not the best but one of the most successful is making something when there is no problem one of the best i I feel like one of the best inventions right that people use every day without they even knowing is the is the is the drill the power drill right we use that shit to make houses everything that was literally made for no reason but to take uh, makes uh, literally a hammer in space. I'll I'll give you I'll 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 push back a little bit in terms of I see that, but at the same time, the power drill solves the problem of me having to bang that hammer. Somebody's yeah, out there right saying, now. I saying, hear the power making, drill. Making making something, making a revolution in an industry that doesn't have a problem will inherently fix a problem somewhere else. Yeah, that's right. Effect. Which is kind of cool. Effect. Because it's like, it's kind of becomes like a domino effect. Because it's like, oh, I didn't know I can use this for this. Oh, okay. And then it's like, that, that invention then evolves into another thing that fully is like a revolution for that problem too. Because it's a branch yeah. off of something that had nothing to do with that. <laughs> I'll add to your point too and say that a lot of the, oh my God, some of the biggest companies that we experience have started out thinking that they're solving one thing, but then when they continue to go, they experiment, mm-hmm. test out, and end up solving something else. So like Shopify started as a snowboarding store. Twitter wow. started out as a podcasting, as podcasting distribution. Instagram was a check-in app for drinkers called Bourbon, right? Wait, it's called so what? When you look at all... Uh. It was called Bourbon. It was a check-in app where you would go to the bar and check in that you're there. But they had a photo sharing feature that people were using. So it's like all of these companies, YouTube started as a dating site, Mm. right? So a lot of the time, yes, you, you identified one problem, you experimented and you realized that it solved something else, but you can only do that when you work when you, you work. know what i mean definitely, that, definitely. that makes it not an overnight success definitely that means that you done prepared and you done put in the time to get to a point where then slack started out as a gaming company and they used internal communications to chat with their team and then was like oh we should probably when the <laughs> gaming stuff went down there like we should probably move into this nah that's so crazy i feel like that's a huge point that that we both made you know what i mean mm-hmm. nah yeah definitely because it's like man just I just feel like at the end of the day, just make whatever you feel is good, cause you never know. That's what I'm saying. Like making something to an artist is inherently something hard, right? But if you want to make it easier, just make something that is inherently you, and that audience will come to you. I never had a Facebook page or never been on any type of social media that probably been over 
500 people was following. So, like, I've never had that pressure of, like, trying to, like, be in the, I guess you could say, like, graces of, like, the public, right? So, I feel that. I, I think that, and that's what I'd be telling people when it comes down to, like, starting in YouTube. I'm like, bro, your first however many videos, nobody's watching. That's what I'm saying. So that's fine, because by the time people do tune in, like, I tuned into Game of Thrones on season six. Mm. Like, but by the time people do tune in, then you have, yeah. your, your stuff is together. It's together, um, yeah. Let's Let's wrap this up pretty quickly. I just wanted to ask you a few uh things to Definitely. close out my first thing is what is and i'm a little bit worried because it looks like the recording reset hopefully it bagged and just moved on but mm-hmm. like i pray we didn't lose any of this okay um because this was a fantastic conversation so um my first question to you is what is one piece of advice that you would give uh yourself right when you were in that stage of do I do this full time or do I, you know, go back to trucking? If I can go back, I would say you made the right decision. <laughs> I'm like, you, I, I would say that you have been making the right decisions from the beginning. <laughs> like, I would, okay, because people like to say like, oh, I would like to change this. Then, yeah, if you change it, then you want to have the outcome you have now. Right? So if I will go back, I'm like, Whatever that you think that you was doing wrong, just keep just just do what you're doing, and you'll see that whatever you, you was doing just made everything a lot better. <laughs> like you like it's it's kind of like I always say like being in the gym. Like you was get like I was getting hockey. I was getting my you know I was getting my punches, and I was learning how to take a punch. You know I was learning how to do you know push ups and stuff like that. And now. That I feel comfortable at displaying myself as a designer, it's it's nothing. Wow. My next question to you would be, what is success to you at this point? We talked about redefining success. We you know we talked about it a little bit, but what's success? So, in the beginning, I guess success was being recognized by like the fucking highest people in fashion success now is just making sure that the people that follow me like or or who are attached to my brand are good like it's like making sure that they get good products like working more on myself and me as a brand than rather my brand be out there and not be a um a brand that is good for all, in, in any weather because it's like anything can come out of brand and it's like they fold and it's like oh whatever and then like they start doing like sneaky tactics and you know doing crazy stuff you know not not doing orders you know people saying the money and stuff like that for orders and they they, they taking the money and then using that money to make other stuff that they want to make really really bad but you know different crazy stuff like i never want to do that type of stuff like just keeping it very but, authentic yeah. and just cut and dry. Like I like that. I like yeah. that. All right, two more, two more. Um, what do you what is one thing that you have to say to emerging designers or people that want to get into fashion? Use PEM dash. Use that. <laughs> use that PEM dash, bro, because I feel like when you're using that, it's it's definitely gonna help you out. Like 
I'm gonna post it. I'm gonna post it on my page one day. I'm, a, I'm a, one day. Say I'm gonna post it. Say <laughs> but nah, no, I like I like that framework. Yeah, like because it's my like, last thing is um. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Nah, I'm just saying. Uh, also, just don't think as this fashion stuff as a hobby, like, cause that's gonna just put your mindset at. If this don't work, then I can just do no, 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 no. This is gonna work. You just gotta put the time in. Like, don't worry about all that other stuff. Da, 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 da. You're gonna get what you're gonna get, cause you put the, cause you put time in. People can look at that and be like, okay. This is time put in rather than you just, like, you know, gallery department. Just taking old Levi jeans and just splashing paint on it and call, you know, it's $1,000. Like, no, no. <laughs> My last question to you is this uh, podcast is called The Game of Power. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I guess my question to you would be, what is that concept those words, the game of power, power in particular, mm-hmm. what does that mean to you? Uh, power is dangerous. <laughs> power is very, very dangerous. If you don't know how to use power, you can really mess yourself up in, in the mindset of people who are following you. So if you're not a a righteous person, you should not be in a, in a state to give people, letting people follow you because they take up parts and of, of your personality and your 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 aspirations that you probably don't want people doing so if you're not mentally sound and like you know know how to like you know talk to people and articulate your words and know how to actually give meaning to what you're actually saying then i think you need to sit take a step back and not just with the clothes but just trying to understand you know just just communication and understanding that 10k followers is very much power and you can do a lot with that a thousand followers is, is a lot of power too you know keep uh, having people follow you in any in any fashion is is a lot of power that you should be very like cordial with and understand that you should be the not not necessarily like the beacon, but she should be like a, a a figure, you know, in whatever facet that you're doing. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Well, man, thank you so much for for hopping on the show. Nah, definitely, you definitely. It's been a great game, and I'm appreciate I appreciate you, and you know, can't wait to see what you keep creating. Nah, definitely, definitely, bro. We out here. <laughs>